So today on the David Watson podcast, I had a wonderful chat with Mike Hendricks, a PT coach, does online courses, face-to-face. Uh, he's got a lot of new stuff going on. And it was really, really good. We got into some great things. Um, and it was very funny. There was lots of laughing, which is always good. It's always nice to have that. Uh, everything from the entrepreneurial side of Mike when he was selling sandwiches as a kid. Um, thank you to his mum. Shout out to his mum for helping him there. And to where he is today and how he's moving forward. And it was really insightful, really good. I genuinely appreciate his time. I hope you enjoy it. This is the David Watson Podcast. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to the David Watson Podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. Honour and pleasure to be here with you this today. <laughs> I oh, know the, the pleasure is mine and, and genuinely fa- thank you for, for uh, coming on. I really do appreciate it. And bef- before we get right into it, I just want to go sideways a little bit. Could you tell everybody that listens about your dog, B? About my? Your dog, B. <laughs> my crazy Labrador dog. Yeah, that's, that's the one. <laughs> well, the good thing for us today, I've managed to get her over at the father-in-law's today. So the door won't m- m- miraculously open, or you won't see me going down here and patting the dog. <laughs> She's actually being looked after by my father-in-law, and I think I mentioned uh, before I came over there that he has got a new puppy. He did, yeah, you so did last week. Yeah, so she's making her acquaintance with Billy. So being Billy with the father-in-law today, but yeah, Bee's a crazy dog. She's lovely. She's um, not like your average lab. I think in a former life she was human. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think she's forgotten that she's now a dog. <laughs> I, yeah, de- definitely, definitely. My, uh, my, actually, when we're sitting down at the dinner table, she expects that she's going to get a chair pulled up, so she's going to sit down next to her and eat. And yeah, she's 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 adorable, but she's crazy. <laughs> and because when we uh, spoke last week, you were saying that you weren't before you met your wife, you weren't a dog person. No, I wasn't. I never had. Um, apart from my grandfather had a, a cat, we never had a dog in our household. Um, so she was always the dog person. She's had, I think she's probably her fourth dog now. Um, and it's been an education for me. It is like having another, as I said, another child. It is, yeah. Um, literally, you know, I, I've heard, like I said, my grandfather had a cat and the cat will, as cats do, very independent, only find you when they need something and then they go about do their own business. Dogs not like that. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And it is, you know, they do. It's, it's kind of, it's always interesting when you talk to people that traditionally were not pet owners and never had dogs um, yeah. because they never understand when people say, no, no, it's, it's part of the family. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, as much as she annoys me now, when she's not around, uh, it's like, where's the dog? <laughs> definitely just like kids then. <clears throat> Exactly the same. I mean, this week you've probably saw I'm quite excited because it's the first week since March. The kid, the house is child free. So all the schools have reopened. My youngest daughter, she's with my um, in-laws with B, and my youngest son has started school full time this week. So last week there was like a drip feeding, and those sons are at school and college. So the house is like my kids. <laughs> I can actually do some work. <laughs> See, and and I get the and I get the luxury and the pleasure of that company. So, exactly, you've got to be undivided. <laughs> that that's that, that's I perfect. Attention. <laughs> so, yeah, could you just tell a few people about literally Mike Hendricks coaching? Yeah, well, this is something um, I've been working on for the last couple of years. So, to give the the long story, I've been working within the fitness space now since well. A long time, shall we say? Um, primarily, I, I started as a coach, fitness instructor, if you like, working for a group called Esporta down in uh, the sunny town of sunny, sunny, sunny city of Sheffield. And then I moved back up to Leeds, uh, where I began to cut my teeth as the health club manager. So, obviously, that was overseeing the main part of the health club that I was working for, the Esporta group looking after members that would come in. Um, but after several attempts to 
um, try to get to a higher level of manager. So general manager, area manager, that didn't quite work out. Don't know if it wasn't because my face didn't fit, but um, I thought there must be another way I can pursue my desire to help more people. Yeah. Uh, within the industry. So I went out and became a trainer, got myself certified, became a personal trainer. Actually left the gym where I was, set up um, a, another club, um, LA Fitness, when it was still around. Okay, and, um, I that. <clears throat> yeah, there was a big chain back in the day, and from there I started working as a trainer. But then the opportunity came up at my old club to go back and do some personal training there. It was a, quite a good deal because, whereas the LA Fitness, the you obviously like most places you have to pay rent. Yeah. The um, gym where I went back to, we didn't have to pay. It was a commission basis, so there was less pressure, if you like. Anyway, I was there for a while, went really well, but then I had another ambition, another desire to actually open my own place because while I was there, I was enjoying the members, helping them get their goals, lose weight, improve their fitness, that sort of thing. Um, but there's always something deep down inside that so you can do this and all that. I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit, if you like. Yeah. Back from the day when I was selling sandwiches at school, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you about that then. <laughs> yeah, um, so I left there and I set my own studio. So that was probably, that was what, 2010. So yeah, 10 years ago. Um, so I um, had my own studio. First couple of years really went well, but then we had some issues, came on board with some other people. And from then it started to go south. Now, you know, that's a, a long, long story, but I had to close it in 2013, 2014. And so from 2014, I was kind of coasting, really, just going back into the gym environment, just doing my personal training. And online coaching is something that I've been studying, behavioral science, psychology, something I've been studying, um, you know, why people do what it is that they do. Yeah. Um, and I've made that pivot now from doing just physical fitness training into actually coaching people into behavioral change and getting them transformations that last because that's a key thing everyone can change but making the change that lasts for a long period of time so they can actually reap and enjoy the benefits and that's what spawned uh, Hendrix Health Coaching. So now I work with busy entrepreneurs, busy business owners, busy senior managers, people who typically are under uh, a lot of pressure to perform at a high level for a long period of time who are often time poor helping them to get more ease, more enjoyment and more efficiency through in their lives through um, transformative coaching. So, because it's interesting, isn't it? Because people always assume that if somebody's like a, a CEO, entrepreneur, they they materialistically or business sense look like they've got it all. People just assume they have no problems, or that they don't have any difficulties in their life. And it's just like, yeah. no, no, they just have a, a particular drive, um, in, in one direction or a particular skill in one area. And they kind of double down on that. But th their life could be horrendous. Yeah. Well, often that is the case in terms of what you see as a successful business owner, director, an entrepreneur. On the front surface, they've done well. They've, you know, they've, they've ticked all the boxes in terms of the numbers. They've achieved in terms of impacting a lot of people. They might have a successful business for three, five, ten years. But on the backdrop of that, there is some sort of sacrifice that they've made. And normally that's to do with their health and often with their relationships as well. Um, and you could say, well, you know, that's the price that they've paid. But I'm here to try to change that narrative and say that we don't have to get to crisis point. You don't have to significantly compromise. And I'm all for ebbing and flowing and finding that yin and yang balance in life. But we know when things get too out of balance one way, that's when things start to manifest that are detrimental to our health and our well-being. And that's what often happens is that people, it would appear, seem to need to get to that crisis point before they reach out for help. And I'm saying, well, it doesn't necessarily need to be that way. It's just applying some principles. That's what I talk about in my 90-day coaching program, the Energize Method. And by applying those principles that I've learned over the years I've cultivated and now I share with my clients, I believe that's a better way to have in more enjoyment, more efficiency, and more ease in your life. So, so could you talk us through, so say um, somebody want, is thinking about um, you know, 
same sort of scenario. They, they, they can't come to you directly or whatever, but they sign up for your 90-day program. Mm-hmm. Um, what should they expect uh, to, to receive in terms of support? Well, it basically covers, as I touched on there, going through my core principles. And these are something, areas that I um, hold in high value and yeah. I practice weekly and daily in my life. And I believe that when people introduce these into their life, that will lead them on the journey because it is a journey. It's not an end destination, but have them experiencing more all day long energy, more enjoyment with the foods that they eat and more in or increased physical capacity so they can work through those particular tasks that we talked about with more purpose, with more focus and with more, much more efficiency. Cause a lot of people, do feel that they have to force their way to get things done. And, yeah. and, you can, and I've done it before in the past. I touched on when I had my own studio. That was very much my philosophy, you know, make it happen, you know, no grind yeah. and you've got to hustle and you've got to make it hard. But that's not always the case, at least for, for a lot of people. But what I share with my clients now is that by the end of the 90 days, they will have more body confidence, will have more increased physical capacity, more focus more efficiency by applying these four principles those four principles are a collaborative mindset so cultivating a collaborative mindset optimizing their nutrition making sure they get adequate rest and obviously exercise as well so they are the core if you like c-o-r-e they're my core principles and that's why i work through them with all those 90 days talking about how you can develop a collaborative mindset and being aware of what's going on between the ears and how that can affect your decisions and well, how it does defect, affect every decision yeah. that you make. Optimizing your nutrition. What is the right kinds of foods that you need to eat so you can access all day long energy? Big one is rest. You know, busy entrepreneurs, busy business leaders, they don't rest. So that's a big area that we cover is making sure that they optimize their rest so they can regenerate, replenish, refocus and obviously exercise as well and what commonly if there is a common there might not be uh, anything that's common um do you find areas of resistance in people uh food <laughs> <laughs> we we're probably all a little guilty of that but <laughs> yeah people are open to exercise people are open to talking about rest even changing the way they think they're open to that but when it comes to food that's it's a big one because food it plays such a huge part of our life and it's something that we've learned from such a young age so when mike comes along and starts saying well have you considered this have you considered that i don't like mike consciously they can be open to the concept of switching but subconsciously that's a whole different thing and this is why with the program we start off with talking about mindset because if that person is not at least open to my ideas and i'm not saying i I can tell that this is a really struggle for some of them (laughs) yeah because you've got to understand these people are successful yeah these people have done well in life and in nine times out of 10 cases, they've done things their way and got the results because that's what's been <laughs> successful. So when I'm saying, well, the reason why you know, you're struggling with not having a good sex life or you're struggling with um, poor energy levels or you're really struggling for focus is because the way you're fueling your body may be different or the amount of alcohol that you're drinking maybe needs to be addressed or you're not getting enough rest, da 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 Then they're like, well, I've always done it this way. And I'm like, Right. <laughs> so let's explore that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, again, it's not all cases, and we do overcome, you know, um, some of those objections. But it's good in that sense, and this is why I love what I do because if everyone was just to sit there and just say yes, Michael, yes, Michael, yes, like it yeah. wouldn't make it's interesting. But this is one of the things that we do as coaches that where that guide and we are we are that guide on the side where that voice in the ear saying yeah actually mike said this might be a better way and often people do over a period of time become open to that because you've read the books it takes you know at least 28 to 65 days for yeah. people to change their behavior 
And so for me, going right now that I've told you this, it's going to be just straight away you're going to change it. It doesn't happen like that. It's, it's a process. It's a process. Do you know? It just occurred to me. There's an irony: the entrepreneur in you that used to sell sandwiches to people is now <laughs> telling people to stop eating certain foods. <laughs> How ironic! <laughs> Life, it seems. <laughs> Has a sense of humor, but yeah, it's a twist, like, a twisted sense of humor. <laughs> my mum, when I started high school, used to uh, make her sandwiches because she wouldn't. In the first year, anyway, she didn't give us dinner money, so she gave us money for the bus fare, and she made the sandwiches. Because the sandwiches were so nice, I used to share them. But then I thought to myself, why don't you sell these sandwiches, and then you will have money to buy food. <laughs> Thanks, Mum. <clears throat> so three days a week, I'll be selling Mum sandwiches. I said, "Come on, I'm feeling hungry today. Can you make some extra sandwiches?" Yeah, yeah, fine, no problem. <laughs> God bless your mum. <laughs> Poor little Mikey, he's wasting away. <laughs> I mean, I eaten some. Oh yeah, wasting heartily today. <laughs> You could just yeah. you could see your mum chatting to her friend. Yep, Mike loves my sandwiches. He has free a day. <coughs> All delicious. Yeah, can't get enough of them, mum. You know what I mean? Can't get enough. <laughs> so, which completely distracted me now, but I just found that yeah. so funny. Um, so can we just um, the I like that term collaborative mindset, and, mm-hmm. and what does that really in, entail for people? Well, for me and what I found on my journey and what I'm continually discovering is that everything initiates with a thought. You know, the fact that we're here sat talking was a thought of yours. The fact that, you know, I married my wife was a thought, my children, everything. And it took me a while to get my head around that, but it's true. Whatever you haven't seen in your life right now and in the future, all starts with a thought. So me thinking of leaving the gym and opening my own studio, it was spawned by the idea of thought. And that's so key to change and when it comes to transformation or making any sort of progress. Because what you think ultimately will manifest in one way or another. Yeah. Now what most people are not aware of is that the power is just distributed the same, but it's how you harness the power. And the example I like to use is, you know, um, in terms of nuclear power, nuclear is such a very strong power, but in one essence, it can power a city, but on the flip side, it can destroy a city by you know encapsulating it yeah. to a bomb. And it's the same thing with thought. You need to be aware that those thoughts are very, very powerful. They can create the life you want, or they can lead you to a life that you don't want, but you have to learn how to harness that power. And I like the word <coughs> collaborative because when you're collaborating, you're aware that you're working with someone and that's what you are doing. You're working with your mind to try to cultivate and harness those thoughts that are going to develop your behaviours and actions that's going to move you forward. And that takes time because until you get to that point where you're actually aware of saying, I can't control everything that comes into my mind and some books would um, underline that point. But what you can do is learn how you respond to those thoughts that come into your mind. So we all may be you know, currently fear, feeling a lot of fear at the moment. And that's kind of understandable given our current circumstances. But how you respond to that fear is down to yourself. What you do with that thought of fear is that you can hold on to it and replay it in your mind and manifest things that you really don't want to. Or you can say, right, you know, I recognize this is not really serving me. So I'm just going to push that aside now. And that's the whole idea about it cultivating a collaborative mindset and as I said that's the most important thing it doesn't happen straight away <coughs> once people become aware of that and saying right I'm going on this journey of change now I need to start thinking thoughts that are going to be more supportive of me moving forward supportive towards that future Mike or Jane or Stephen however and teaching them how to do that I like that because there's that with that the way you were describing that sort of collaboration is it also it kind of makes it um, abstract as if you're observing what's going on and yes. then what part you can play in it as mm. opposed to just reacting to everything that's coming in. And that, that that's the, the way you describe that. It's really nice because it, it, it almost removes you away from your own thinking and 
and your and um, the responsibility that it might be your fault if, for, for whatever better term. But you get to see it and say, okay, now now how do I engage with this, and why yes. is it happening? I remember being taught by one of my mentors about that third person observation. Mm. Look at yourself now, and also look at yourself in the future. And I'm trying to remember the name of the book now. It's going to escape my mind. But it was basically um, talking about having a conversation, just like we're having a conversation yeah. now together, but having a conversation with your future self and how he or she would handle this for this future situation. So if you're someone who's particularly overweight and it comes to, and you have this ideal of losing a stone, a two stone or whatever, and you're presented with a situation where you want to eat this certain food, ask yourself, well, how would future Mike respond to this situation? Is the fit and healthy Mike going to have the whole tub of ice cream or is just going to have a couple of scoops and then just enjoy it and leave it? That's the sort of thing that we try to get people to think about. Viewing a certain situation, but from your ideal self's eyes or your ideal self point of view. And by that way, you can then start making choices that's going to move you towards that future self. That's good. And this is available as an online program. Yeah, so the 90-day program at the moment is uh, available via coaching programs. So you'd see me, but what I have recently done is just, um, well, I haven't signed the papers yet, but I've actually in the process signing papers for a office space to convert into a studio. Um, as I said at the beginning, it's all nice and quiet here, but I've realized when I'm trying to do videos or when I'm trying to do voiceovers, yeah. dogs barking or kids are coming in, it's not ideal. So I've got a small office space where I'm going to put a lot of the content, um, which I'll speak to you about, um, all online. So people will be able to access this um, at their own leisure, obviously online with the videos, once the videos are completed. So it is. It's difficult, isn't it? On one of my first podcasts, I think it was podcast four, I was chatting to a friend of mine, Gid, who's a music producer, and yeah. literally about halfway through the podcast, my niece walks into my office to say hello because she hasn't seen me. <laughs> and I just thought it, it, it's quite a relaxed format. So I just gave her the headphones and let her just have a little quick conversation with Gid. And of course, she <laughs> she did what all kids did. She went really shy and wouldn't say anything. <laughs> so she's there with the headphones going... Yeah, that, that, that's it. And uh, and I left it on the podcast. I didn't edit it out. I just left it in there. <laughs> you know, just, and I think she showed it to her friends at school. Like, oh, look, I was on my uncle's podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's, the, that's the idea moving forward. So that's a studio space. So you can what is that, re- record tutorials, do live feeds. Yes. So with the Hendrix Health Coaching, um, it's really allowed me to think about the future and how people can access the content that I produce. And it's video. Video is very much done. Um, it's the future. Well, I say it's the future. It's very much now. We've seen it over the last few months that the way we communicate has shifted forever. And one of the ways that people really can access and, and get in contact with you is by videos. It's one of the things I've started going back and saying on my YouTube channel. Um, so the idea is once I get the studio set up, it'll be just a question of going in, outlining the content that I'm going to uh, cover, and then just going in and recording and uploading it to the different sites, obviously my own website and obviously to free sites like LinkedIn and, and YouTube and so on and so forth. So people can see me, see what I'm about, understand my philosophies in, in much more detail, but at their own leisure, they can digest it. Um, not so much when I'm doing live content, but they're on leisure once they're recorded. So, so h- how did Mike, who was selling the sandwiches at school, progress into where you are today? So, so, so like, you know, so when you when you left school, what what is it that you were kind of driven to do? Uh, well, I've always been a physical kind of. I said physical kind of guy. I don't know, some some heavy-handed bouncer or anything. <laughs> Has been the past life. Yeah. But at school, um, even from primary school or middle school age, I always loved sport. And I think it's just part of who I I love being physical. 
whether it was athletics at primary school, doing hurdles or 100 meters dash, playing basketball, football, um, at, mid, at high school, middle school. And then when I went from middle school, going into doing um, university, playing football there. So I've always had that passion for being physical. But when I was um, at high school, I didn't do particularly well in the traditional areas such as maths, English, and so on and so forth. And I left um, at 16, went to go do a BTEC in leisure studies, and then I went to do a national diploma in uh, sports studies. And then I went off the rails a little bit, so I was about 19, shall I say. I, I did some um, entrepreneurial venues, but some were arguably not legal ones. But then I got back on track. L licensing issues and stuff. <laughs> yeah, licensing issues. <laughs> um, but then I got back on track for about the age of 21. That's when I moved down to Sheffield um, and got into the health and fitness space again as a supervisor. And then from there, I just had a deep desire to help people enjoy the benefits. Because even when I was at school, even though... I didn't know it was it was never goal oriented it was just simple enjoyment i like playing sports i like doing physical activities because it gave me pleasure it gave me joy um, and even when i was in my um off peace days i was still doing physical activities because it's same thing it gave me pleasure it gave, it gave yeah. me joy and um, so once i got my head back on got my head straight and got into the environment and i saw that there was an industry where people were coming and paying for these fantastic facilities to come and keep themselves fit. That's where I thought, right, this for me is where I really want to harness my skills, get myself qualified, get myself knowledgeable in this area so I can really help people with their goals. And obviously for most people it's to lose weight and improve their physical fitness. So yeah. <clears throat> well, cause that's, a, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because especially um, in the, the fitness industry, is I, I've always found I'm, I'm not a personal trainer. So I, I just have lots of conversations with personal trainers. Um, and I find that um, there are a lot of people, they, not, not always, but there's, there's probably some form of body issue, self-esteem issue, or a health concern. There's a fear. Somewhere there's yeah. a fear attached to it. And they're like, <clears throat> I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to sort myself out but they don't address the emotional issue, the, 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 the mental kind of foundations that are creating the anxiety in the first place, which might actually be why they're out of shape, eat too much, and are stressed. You know? So, so you, you've touched on that yourself because you're not just the, uh, a PT. Yeah, I think, without being too judgmental, I think it's a journey that most personal trainers have to go on themselves. And until you've actually walked a journey like that it's very difficult because it is very much i mean it's partly the industry's fault because we sell you and i'm including myself in this we sell you on that promise of getting beach ready or looking your fantastic best in seven days and so it's very superficial it's very in order for you to feel good you have to look a particular way in order for you to feel good you have to eat certain foods in order for you to feel good you have to not do this and what I've learned, especially over the last 10 years as I've matured, is that exercise is a practice, is a behaviour, but health is also a journey. It's yeah. not an end destination. It's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing, as you do. So some days, your health is on point. Your health is fine. You feel like doing all the things, getting up for a walk, taking a dog out, going for your 5K run, eating all the healthy foods. Sometimes you just can't be asked. You know what, though? But that's that's fine. <laughs> that is fine. As long as you've developed a mindset that is not going to make yourself feel shame, guilt, yeah, um, feel bad about yourself, um, disempower yourself, and you can get back on that. They're the people who develop that relationship with themselves are going to enjoy longer-lasting health, better performance more all day long energy because they've come to a place where are oh, they're developing because i say it's not that they've got there and then that's it they're, they're, they've reached that holy grail it's the continuing development learning and evolving of that journey and 
took me a while to figure that out because I was someone who was saying that, for example, I used to never understand why, why don't people exercise? No, no wonder she's overweight. No wonder he's depressed. He doesn't exercise, but that's a very one-dimensional way of thinking of it because I would never put myself in that other person's shoes. I was always looking at it from Mike's point of view. But as time's passed, as I've studied, as I've learned, as I've developed, as I've worked with experts, mentors, that's what a coach does. A coach is always empathetic to his or her client's path or their journey, how they have got from wherever they started to where they are now, as opposed to saying, well, this is what I do. Work for me, so it's going to work for you. It's not, it's not, it's not always about that. No, no, it's definitely not. Um, <clears throat> so what were the, the kind of the, actually, this, I'm going to go in a different way, actually. There's something you touched on with LA Fitness and, and, yeah. I, I remember LA Fitness and okay. and I had a PT friend of mine um, back in the day who used to work work at LA Fitness. Um, but could you just mention to people, because I think this business model still is around sometimes, that mm-hmm. I don't think people realise that, and I, I'm only saying LA Fitness because it's the one I know about, but I know other gyms do, do still do this. Okay. You're not paid by them. You actually pay a rent. Could you explain this business model to some of the people out there? Because some of those personal trainers are working their ass off trying to earn a crust. Oh, most definitely. Yes, it's not easy, but it's it's a great way to cut your teeth. So, for example, when I joined LA Fitness, I mean, to be fair to the company as a whole, the training and the initial support was very, very good. So what I mean by that is when you want to join the LA Fitness personal training team, they um, send you on a course. And I remember we went down to a course um, in a club in London and we was there for a week. Uh, I think it was just outside Kensington because they had a lot of small gyms because their model was small boutique type gyms, not these big massive David Hammer yeah. places. They had a lot of places. So we went down to this, uh, one of their facilities in Kensington and one of the top um, trainers would take us through all the mechanics of becoming a good trainer. So not talking to you just about anatomy and physiology, but talking to you about dealing with the client, how you would speak to the client. And then once you'd finished that week long training, you'd get back to your club. So it was me back in Leeds. And then you'd have a weekly mentor um, meeting to see how you're going for the first month. Now the first month was um, half price rent. Now bear in mind the rent back is talking about 11, maybe 13 years ago was 700 pounds a month. So you a lot of money, a lot of money, a lot of money. So you think about that for a minute, you were charging anything between 35 and 45 pounds. How many sessions, because this is the model that we were told to do. Yeah. um, Have to sell before you actually took home any money yourself yeah so the pressure's on plus the fact that there was um 10 12 other trainers in there all competing for the same audience now what they would say is that we've given you an environment where you've got access to over three thousand plus members you only need you know less than 10 percent of that but as someone who maybe have not been in that environment before working against established trainers, people have been there for a period of time. Um, it's very, very intimidating, very, very challenging, and very, very stressful. So I was there for about six months. Some months were good, some months were bad. So when the opportunity came up to go back to my original club, Esporta, where they was basically saying, well, we'll give you, you um, will just pay, take a commission. So if you get one client, we're going to take 25% and the rest of the money is yours. So there's no pressure there yeah to get the kind because of, whether you like it or not when you was at la fitness you had to pay that 700 pound rent regardless <laughs> well i remember my friend saying to me his mortgage was cheaper than la fitness and i was just like but i thought he was paid by la fitness Do you know what I mean? no. and i think as a biz as a business as la fitness it's a great model because if you've got 10 trainers paying you 700 quid that's seven grand free of charge and that's not even including your membership you know, membership between 25 and 40 pounds depending. So you're not even cleaning membership for the business model. And a lot, I know a lot of clubs still uh, have that model now. So it's not easy for the trainer 
And so, you know, people listening see the trainers in the gym looking stressed at me for the reasons why. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's one of the reasons I wanted to put it out there because I don't think people understand this. It's like the, the image you can sometimes receive from clubs is that we have these amazing trainers mm-hmm. and they they don't say it, but you get your belief is that they're obviously being paid. Well, yeah, actually, a lot of those guys are paying rent space and they are grinding bloody hard and go month to month shitting themselves that they might not be able to pay that rent or their rent to live to keep a roof above their head. And I don't think people always understand that. No, I think it's, it's so important for people to understand because it is, especially something like this, something that you love, something that you want to do, you enjoy helping people. And I think this is where um, I've had conversations with trainers before. It's very difficult for certain trainers to try uh, ask for a premium because what ha- tends to happen <coughs> is that trainers tend to devalue what they're doing just so they can get a client so instead of charging that 35 40 pounds which i think is absolute minimum for a trainer to be charging if they're doing some good stuff anyway um to 10 even less than that an hour um i've heard certain gyms in here in leeds certain trainers charging you know 10 pounds a session i'm like well I'm sure you're better qualified than £10 a session, but you obviously don't value yourself or the pressure is such that you feel that you have to offer yeah. this such a cheap service that you're not really doing yourself any harm, not doing yourself any good, they are doing yourself more harm. But again, that comes down to the individual, the environment, you know, what their um, self-esteem and what their beliefs are, and obviously what they're doing as well, because not everyone... You know, working to a very high standard. You tend to think that everyone's the same as you. And again, this is said with love and not to judge, but sometimes <clears throat> people, the way they train their clients, it's like, that can't be doing them any good. But as it's been, yeah, and, I, and I think that comes down to they're, they're trying to pay bills. Yes. <clears throat> you know, they're trying to pay bills and, and that stress is on them. I like the idea, I've not heard of that. I like the one you were saying that when you went to, is it a sport? A sporter, yeah. A sporter. Um, mm where they took a commission because yes. it, it allows you that freedom to um, look long-term and say, where can I be? How many clients can I have in 12 months? How can I build my reputation? How can I establish myself? Because you, you're not being, you're not having, you don't have to come up with a lump sum every month, regardless of whether you've been successful or not. And you've only got to get a couple of clients go on holiday, a couple of clients get a cold and that's four payments you've missed that month. You know. Yeah, and interestingly, they actually changed the model because when I first started, it was commissioned, but it was only 20%. So it wasn't a huge amount, 20, 25% from it. But then they said, right, we're changing this because when they had trainers doing well, they recognized, I don't know, we could make more money. Oh, no. But I didn't mind that because the rent was only um, 400 quid as opposed to 700 pounds. And because I was established, I thought, you know what, well, I have to work a little bit harder. Um, and I'll get more money in my pocket. All I know is I just give them £400 a month. Uh, but it was after a period of pain, I think, well, if I paid these guys you know, nearly six grand a year, I could get my own place, and that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. <laughs> Would you go back to your own studio, building your own studio again? Or? Do you know, I've actually flirted with the idea, and I would, but the next goal... Well, I said the next goal, that's not actually true. The next goal I mentioned is to get the studio up and running. Um, but my wife and I were talking about it the other day. We've been in this house, um, it'll be three years next month. And we've said um, two things that we're either going to, like most people do, expand the footprint of the house um, to make it bigger or sell up and move somewhere where I can actually have my own studio. Right. So it's not an immediate project, but we've something that we have talked about. It's so something with big enough land space where I can have like a granny flat where I can make it into my own personal training studio. Because I do feel, even though I do do, and my focus now is the online coaching and helping people remotely wherever they are in the world. Yeah. Um, I enjoy that physical interaction with people. Uh, I, I like looking people in the eye and. And working with them on that technical basis. You can do that but with the dawn of technology now. The app that we use is very, very good where people can get detailed description of the exercise that they do. Obviously, they have me here to hold their hand as a coach. 
But when you're person up close and personal with people, that's something I really find a lot of pleasure and enjoy doing. So to have my own space where I'm not paying any rent, maybe other than the mortgage, I really like to be doing this. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like that manifesting might be starting. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> it would be nice. It would be nice. Because you did mention earlier um, thoughts manifesting. Mm. So, so what does that mean to you? Well, as I said, I honestly believe when there's been a lot of um, orators about it, you know, Bob Proctor, Neville Goddard, um, yeah. Napoleon Hill, they've all spoke about thoughts become things. Whatever you think about, ultimately, will manifest. <laughs> I was j joking yesterday because I went to go meet my friend. She's got um, children, similar sort of age, and we thought, it's a nice day, let's go meet at the park. And I have a ritual in the morning where I get up, I listen to um, some meditations, I read a page of my book, which is The Success Principles by Napoleon Hill. 16 laws of, 15 laws of success in 16 yep. lessons. And I read a page of that every day. And the chapter I was touching on was um, being enthusiastic and just sending out enthusiastic vibe. So when I got in the car, I had my daughter with me. Everyone I, when you're driving, turned to, I, I made a point of smiling. And yeah. everyone, without exception, smiled back. When I was walking in the park, everyone was smiling at me. I just gave a little smile, how are you doing? Everyone, without exception. And it taught me, and it re iterated underlined that point about whatever you think about comes to pass because what i was basically saying i'm putting out there to the universe was saying i want everyone to smile back at me or, or show me some sort of appreciation so that was my thought that was my intention yeah. and that was just an example just yesterday of how it works i had that intention when i got off read that page by enthusiasm being nice yeah and everyone without exception um so i honestly believe that regardless of where you are in life, whatever situation you find yourself in, um, no matter how deplorable it might appear, how desperate it might seem, if you can learn to harness your thoughts in the right way, you will manifest what you want. And as I said, it's understanding that you have that power. The power is always within the choice of what you, how, how you respond to thinking. And thinking about things in a positive way can really help shift you from where you are now. Yeah. And I think people need to understand that. It's, it sounds quite um, esoteric and a bit, you know, almost woo out there, but it's what the mystics have been teaching us for. It, it's, um, what is it? I'm trying to think who wrote the book, but as a man think if he is. Yeah, that's... Um, is that Neville Goddard? No. no I've, no, I've literally yeah. got the book somewhere as well on my desk. Um, but yeah, it is. It is something like that. Yeah, it is. As a man thinker. Yeah, I know. I know where it is. It's in the lounge, but I don't want to get up and get it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it kind of spoils the flow. That's the one, James Allen. As a man thinker, yes, yeah, James Allen, and that's. Um, yeah, I mean, like you say, the the thing is, people get a bit woo woo about this sort of stuff, and. Um, and, and I understand why, because of films like The Secret and stuff like that, and the, 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 this kind of idea that if you just sit on your ass and do nothing but visualise it, a Lamborghini is going to be just delivered to your house. And <laughs> I'm it, still it, waiting. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, that's not really what they're talking about. Um, it's, yeah. um, I've talked about this in my own uh, Instagram videos. So it's, it's actually, what, what it is, is action speaks louder than words. Absolutely. You know? You know, you start talking about, you thinking about what you want, talking about what you want, and you you start going in that direction. And the the most recent best example I can give to this is my podcast. I started this podcast. Um, you are, by the way, you're the tenth episode. Right? Hey, thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> you're my magic number ten. And <laughs> no, no, because this is this has been like a it's very uh, big day for me because it, it, in my podcast head, this is because this is my tenth one. I've actually done. 10 podcasts and they've all gone really well and good. Good. but people don't a few people know this and i'm going to shout out to carlton at brunton media and caroline Kavanagh, um because caroline is my therapist 
And one of the things is I've been trying to do a podcast for a while, for a couple of years. And I was always getting involved with other people. And it, it just never happened. Mm-hmm. And kind of that self-evaluation that you were talking about, like the collaborative thinking, I had to start thinking, why, why is this not working? Yeah. And one of them is the question that come back to me was, why are you always trying to do it with someone else? <laughs> right? And, and the mm-hmm. reason being is, so it's just like, yeah, why, why do I always try and team up with people instead of just doing it myself? Yeah. And one of the reasons was is because I'm a bit of a technophobe and I don't know what I'm doing. Right. So I just decided I'm going to do it. I'm just going to have a podcast and then ask my own therapist, Caroline. So I, I want you to be my first guest so we can talk about anxiety, mental health and stuff like that. So I booked her in and then I was talking from Carlton at Brunton Media and explained to him what I'd done. And Carlton runs podcasts with people. And I explained to him what I was going to do. He's just like, that's not going to work. That's not how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I had about uh, I spoke to Carlton on the Friday and Caroline was booked in for the Wednesday I think and Carlton okay. and this is what I'm saying just just you just put it out there and just trust yeah. so Carlton very kindly generous guy just did an online tutorial to, live like you and I are doing a zoom chat now which Carlton yeah. did that told me what to load uh, download and just talk me through it and then I just mm-hmm. went and did the first the first podcast and have just followed it through ever since and yeah. the one thing I found that's been pretty consistent is apart from uh, a couple of people, Lee Weber and Vinnie Shawman, everyone else that I cold called and said, hey, would you like to come on the podcast? Nothing. But when I started asking guests, would you recommend somebody who might like to enjoy it? I'm now building up a waiting list. You know, so shout out to Samantha for introduce, introducing you and I. Yes. And Samantha was introduced from Caroline. Yeah, yeah. So rather than, because I used to, I was getting so in my own head, how do I yeah. do this? How do I do this? And it's like, yeah. you haven't even done the podcast. <laughs> and then when I started, I noticed this pattern of, what about guests? I want, how do I get this? In? How do I come? And it was just, no, you, you're getting in your own way. Ask yeah. other people to help you. Absolutely. And I think that's so important that you said you took the action mm. and then the path revealed itself to you. But if you'd have never, taken the action you have been still sit there well how's that going to happen how's that going to happen so the key there that you listen that you're sharing which is vital is that until you take that first step you can't see it's what it's the next step is you can't it's, it's so cliched it is cliche yeah. but if you don't open the door first you can't enter the room no <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I had the handle. <laughs> yeah, you see what I mean? And I literally booked a podcast and said, yeah. This is what I'm gonna do. And then and like I said, it was three or four days later, while talking to Carlton, that I found out I didn't know how to do one. It wasn't going to work the way I wanted to do it. And he's just like, No, you can't do that. But he then helped me with software, did an online tutorial, uploaded it to YouTube so it's there whenever I want it. You know, showed me how to record it. And now but for whatever reason i don't question it and i just trust that guests are going to turn up and i think that's so important especially for people in this day and age to hear that it's a simple example but it's a, it's, it's a truth yeah and it's an eternal truth that until you start walking in the direction of your desire or desires things very rarely happen so, so you're then stuck in this, well, how's it going to happen? What do I do about this? Well, until you actually take that first step. It's like when I first set up my first studio, of the, the studio, um, I didn't have a clue. Now, looking back at that, <laughs> I mean, interesting, I got a picture from my friend the other day because I set up a company then called Hendrix Healthcare. Now it's called Hendrix Coaching. And that was actually 10 years ago he sent me a picture. But back then, just before I left the gym, to set up for myself as i said i just had this desire i just had this um goal that i wanted to have my own personal training studio anyway long story short one of my clients at the time um is a commercial property investor um so he buys properties fixes them up rents and all that sort of thing so he was almost like my mentor my business coach because he was saying yeah you need to speak with the um the, the council planners and about none of this i knew nothing about 
Um, so he was giving me all this advice and said, yeah, town planners, they're a pain in the ass. They're not going to help you with anything, but it's a process you had to go for. Yeah. Planners. I just like agree at least with the landlord. No, 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 no. <laughs> but until I started taking the steps and finding places and inquiring about different lease options and so on and so forth, I would have never have known. Anyway, the big thing was once I um, agreed a lease, it had all been approved. The solicitor then hit me with this 1200 quid bill thank you (laughs) that's a lot of sandwiches you've got to sell (laughs) to go back to mom say mom (laughs) i need a big batch (laughs) (laughs) and i need them by tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i I knew i was gonna have to pay for the solicitors but i never knew it was gonna cost me 1200 quid plus fat but anyway it was what it was but until I paid that money, nothing could be finalised and I couldn't get into the, couldn't get the keys, couldn't get a completion, so on and so forth. So I was thinking, oh gosh, well, I'm there now. I just need to find this 1,200 quid. Um, now, bear in mind, I already left Esports, so I wasn't working there at the time. I had one or two um, clients that I was seeing at their home and so on and so forth. And I was there thinking, and I remember speaking with my friend Tony Mallet, and we used to go over to a friend's house that lived just outside Weatherby for like these mastermind meetings and we'd just sit down and chat. And um, Tony was saying, Well, can you ask one of your clients? And she said, No, why don't you just ask one of your clients? Anyway, long story short, I went back to my client who was in that commercial property sector and I said to him, um, You know, I'm moving to this place. Would you help me with this fee? Can pay the half, or you know, if you can pay all of it up front, and I'll pay for the, and I'll train you for the first six months free of charge. And he went, Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, why don't the money? And I, said, <laughs> I was thinking, Well, you could have just asked him anyway, but until you ask, take action. Yeah, nothing will happen, you see. So, it's important, just like you said, there where you post you've got to take action, got to ask, you've got to do these things, and um. The help's there. The direction is there. You just need to. But it, it was kind of like that, as your thing says, the collaborative um, thinking is mm. I stepped away and just like, what is this thing you keep doing consistently that's not working? Because I, I just had this burning passion that I just got to, I want to talk to people and I, yeah, want, yeah. Pe- I want people to tell me what their journeys have been, how they've been successful. And I want to put it out there for whoever can listen to it. You know what I mean? Because we, we can all help lots of people. We're all roughly in the same industry that we're trying to help people. Yes. Right? And we can collectively network and do a lot of good. Right? And But I, like I said, is I, by kind of like taking your collaborative thinking uh, concept, is I had to step back and look at why it hadn't been working mm-hmm. and not blame other people, but look at what I was doing. Yeah. Like, what have you done every time? And every time I'd seeked help from somebody else in mm-hmm. in a way of getting them, I wanted them to do it for me. Yes. But I wanted it to be my podcast. So yeah. I, I, it's just like, no, no, you're just going to have to learn how to do it and take yeah. a, have faith in yourself and take a chance. Yeah. You know, and I'm at podcast number 10. Do you know what I mean? And I, I, it's, it's the favorite part of my week. These podcasts, I love them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and very powerful that lesson there. And I think, as I said, more and more people need to hear it because a lot of people are stuck in their heads thinking, I can't shift or I can't move or I can't make progress. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be some massive, grandiose desire that you have. It just could be something little, you know, like being able to exercise more frequently like being having a better relationship with food like having a better relationship at home with your kids or your wife or whatever or work colleague you've got into a position where you feel that you maybe can't progress yeah but once you take a step back and say well what is it that i am doing or could do to help improve that situation i say as you said just get out of your own way analyze it but like i said i was when I was analysing it, that again, I went back another level. It's just like, why are you always looking for other people? Because you're scared of looking stupid. You're scared of standing out on your own. Because you don't know what you're doing. You're scared of asking for help because you feel stupid. Yeah. And you don't want people to look stupid. 
the complete opposite of everything I coach my own clients about. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just like, like seriously, David, do you know what I mean? If you were talking to a client right now, you would be tearing the strips off them. Do you know what I mean? And I would be brutal about it with them. Yeah. But there I was just, yeah. I almost, and it's, and I think this is probably important. We're not lying to ourselves. We literally no, no, no. have lo- have lost a vision of a, of a, observing our behaviors and we i literally didn't notice what i was doing because yeah i think there's a lot of truth in that i think we get into this um almost like a comfort mode survival mode it's a pattern that well where you are now you've not died you've got food on the table you've got a roof over your head so that pattern that you're repeating it's not going to kill you so let's keep doing it it's not yeah (laughs) we know it it's fine it's not ideal but we're not going to die. So we're happy. And that's the primary objective of survival or the reptilian brain. As yeah. soon as you wake up in the morning to the last thing you lay your head down, all it's trying to do is make sure you're here the next day. And providing that you're repeating certain patterns and behaviors that allow you to do that, it does its damnedest to keep you there. Even though those may not be serving you those thoughts or those behaviors, that's what the reptilian brain does how can I make sure I'm here tomorrow? Right, well, you did that yesterday, so, and you're here today, so let's do that again. <laughs> but it's it's true. I mean, I, yeah. I wrote a program about this called uh, How to Train Your Neanderthal Brain. And it's based yeah. on that, look, your comfort zone is misunderstood. It's your limbic part of your brain saying, if we do this every day, we're going to stay alive. We're going to survive. Yeah. It's not about quality of life. No. And every time you feel that something is difficult, it's it's just that limpic part of your brain, that reptilian part of the brain, saying, "Hold on a second, what what if this kills us?" And you're like, "No, no, I, I'm just literally going to go to a different shop because I've I've heard they sell a better brand of coffee." But it's just like, this isn't part of the pattern. You might die. <laughs> it's true. We're laughing, but that's just how it works. I know, but people people don't think it's like. So if you if anyone has anxiety or depression or things like that, and they're listening. That is what your brain is doing to you. Do you know, it's so serious, but like you say, we laugh because we kind of figured that out. And you're just like look, me with the podcast. There's a part of my brain like, if you ask somebody over the internet in a Zoom meeting for help, it's going to kill you because <laughs> that's stepping outside the comfort zone. Exactly, and it's it's true. Um, I listened to a um, podcast when I mentioned that I worked with a guy called Paul Mott. He did a podcast with Tyson Fury. Wow. And as you know, or you may not know, Tyson no. Fury had mental health issues. Yeah. And that was, a, that was a common denominator with Paul and, and, and Tyson. And he made a point of saying, one of the worst things that you can say to a guy with depression is just to man up. Oh. Just to crack on with it. And I thought, yeah, that's really, it really resonated with me because sometimes people don't understand that how the brain is designed to keep you in a place of, even though people that might be listening who are suffering with some kind of mental health issue, depression, just saying, oh, just crack on, just get on with it. Just man up, what's the big problem? The brain is designed to say, well, I'm in this state of depression, but I'm all right in the sense that I'm not died. Yeah. So I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna stay here. So tell them just to man up or snap out of it very, very often, or very, very rarely, sorry is the best thing to say to these people. I think the only time that works is there's a couple of points before it gets too deep, where if there's somebody that you have a deep level of love, affection or respect for comes along and sort of says to you, Oi, come on, pull up your big boy pants. Mm -hmm. But you are, but that's right. Like literally you've only just opened in the door for to it. And you've not walked down that, that corridor yet. You know, Mm -hmm. you can be pulled back. At, at that moment but after that no like you say that limpid part of the brain is doesn't even acknowledge that this feels shit it's just my job is that you open your eyes tomorrow when you've woken up <laughs> and ha- how that happens it's not my problem mate you're alive that's that's my only job <laughs> you know but and people don't understand it is because it's it's a two million pound pro um operating system that's not two million pounds two million year old operating system where things used to eat us but 
we as people think we've evolved. No, we mm. haven't done shit. Do you know what I mean? We've just got flat screen TVs. Yeah. <laughs> Our environment has evolved. Yeah. Our we haven't. Have evolved, but we are very much primal animals. Um, and that's the beauty of sharing this information because yeah. I said, I mentioned about my friend Tony. We, it's so funny that we have this, well, I say we, when we're talking, we have this perception that because YouTube has been around for what, 11 years now, and you go to certain sites like, you know, Bob Proctor or Brendan yeah. Rashad or Eckhart Tolle or Dr. Jody Spencer, and these people have millions of views on the videos and they've done lots of videos between them you have this perception that everyone knows this information everyone has access to this information <laughs> but the harsh reality is this information is still in its infancy it is yeah i, I listened to a um bob proctor seminar i went to one of his workshops so i'm a big fan of bob proctor i listened to one of his um works uh, seminars that he did recently and he was talking about um the transformative coaching industry or the wellness coaching industry is only around about 60 years old so we started off with the likes of napoleon hill and dale carnegie and evolved into other people such as um dr david swartz and so on and so forth who did side cost cybernetics in the 60s and so on and so forth so it's still a relatively new industry similar yeah. to the fitness industry i suppose um and it appeals to a huge volume of people because it taps into that primal need to want to improve yeah. and to know about yourself. Everyone wants to know about yourself. This is why things like personality quizzes are very, very popular. Everyone wants to know, well, what type am I? But the difference is between knowing and actually doing, as we've just alluded to, is, is, is like night and day. A lot of people can conceptualize this movement and say, yeah, yeah, that secret is really, really good, that video, really, really helps me understand about how I can use the law of attraction. But the big difference is actually applying it and putting it into practice yeah. and studying it to a level where you can actually say, right, this is what I need to start doing. This is how I need to start behaving. This is how I need to start thinking in order to see those things that they're talking about actually manifesting my life the way I want them to do. And I think that's the big difference. And I think that's our challenges as coaches is coaches in and today's current climate and society is bridging that gap. People understand that they need help and people understand the information that they require to see those changes, but it's actually application of that knowledge to bridge the gap to see them make that transformation. And I think the more conversations like this that we have <coughs> and articulating our own journeys and our own stories and our own um, issues, if you like, that we have overcome, will allow people to see that, as I mentioned at the top, this isn't just you know, a flick of a switch, it's a process and you know, takes time, but there's nothing wrong with that. We've all got plenty of time, providing that we're not living in our heads, we are taking those daily actions that's going to move us towards our desires. I think that's important. I think, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, is time. It's like, look, stop trying to kind of focus on an instant result. And what, what I always try and get clients, clients to focus on is where do you want to be one year from now? Not tomorrow. I'm not trying to get you a result tomorrow because it's not going to last five minutes, right? But who do you want to be one year from now? And then we can work out how you get it. And the only result that matters is the one 12 months from now. Absolutely. I think there's um, this desperation to do it yesterday. Mm. <laughs> You know, I fall into that trap, you know, in my 40s now, everyone's like, oh, he's got this nice house, or he's at this level of income. Why are you there? Yes. Well, you're not him, or you're not her. <laughs> you haven't walked their path. And I see a lot of that, where people are getting um, almost discouraged and stop before they even start, because, well, it's all right for you mentality. It's all right for them mentality. Yeah. I've been there myself, but it's like you just have to stop comparing them to yourself because they're not you. They have not walked your path. You've come to a point where you've said that you want to change. Forget about everything else. What do you want to see in your life 
a year, six months from now. Let's focus on that. No, I, I, I think that's probably that's as true as it gets and it's probably uh because it's just gone over an hour so it's probably a good place to, to stop as well but before i do could you just uh tell everyone where they find you and um about your online coaching course yeah well i'm on all the usual social media um, forums you can find me on facebook at mike Hendricks coaching and you can find me on linkedin at mike Hendricks coaching you can find me on Instagram at Mike A. Hendricks, and you can find me on Twitter at Mike B. Hendricks. <laughs> or if you'd like to learn more um, about myself, go to my LinkedIn profile. You can find a link there where you can schedule in a free 50-minute action plan call where we'll talk about you, what it is that you're wanting to achieve, and we talk about how you can start applying the action steps to get you towards your goals, your desires. So yeah, love to have that conversation. Yeah, brilliant. It. And for people who want to just check you out for the online program, how do they do that? Yeah, you can go to my website, which is learn.mikehendricks.co.uk. There they'll find free courses, free resources. They can get a copy of my um, latest book, The Five Step fitness the no bs fitness formula sorry um where they can get a chapter download that for free find out my thoughts about fitness in that particular book so yeah that's learn.mikehendricks.co.uk they can check me out there and find out more perfect thank you very much all right been a pleasure enjoy it <laughs>